Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Glad to have you along today. Presumably, if this gets posted when it's supposed to, it is going to be a start of a new week yet again. January is flying by, soon to be out the door. Hopefully you and yours are doing well. Hopefully you're using your time wisely. That if you consider yourself one who is on the narrow way, the remnant people reality, and you are striving to rediscover the ancient way, then blessings to you and your family. May the Lord give us all power, all ability that is a gift from himself to enable us to do anything of any eternal value here in our mere vapors of life. Okay, so um, I just want to get right to it today. I, I, this morning I went out for the first time um, with, I don't know what you want to call it, it's just a homeless outreach. Um, it's a brother that I met a couple months back who goes downtown in one of the larger cities in this immediate area. It's not a large city um, compared to what I've known and what most of you know, um, but it is an actual decent-sized city. But I noticed when we moved here four years ago that for a city that size, there was whenever we would drive downtown... I would take notice of, of how many people there were that, that seemed to be living on the street there. Um, my wife and I, of course, lived in metro Atlanta. I, I met her there, and she lived there uh, before I got there. I uh, followed her. And, uh, you know, we lived there for several years. And, of course, in a large metro area, if you go downtown, that's something very normal um, for a large population. But this city, I don't know what the population is, but I do remember when we first started driving through there four years ago, it just really got my attention. Like, man, there is just, seems to be a heavy homeless population in this area. Um, so fast forward to a couple months ago, um, this fellowship that we're I don't like to work, use the word attending, man. That's, man, don't, go, don't even get me started about attendance, living. I mean, I'm not looking to attend anywhere. I'm looking to belong. <laughs> um, and that's really what I want to talk about today. But give me a moment to kind of come, come around the block and get to that topic specifically. Um, but I had met this brother several weeks ago and, and found out that this, one of the the, the arms of, of this church is a bus that goes and parks downtown um, once a week and basically just ministers to people on the street, gives them food, gives them toiletries, gives them clothing, backpacks, tents, you know, just, just a, a actual, an actual help, a natural help alongside praying, encouraging, challenging. And uh, my, my son and I went for the first time this morning. Um, I've had a heart for people like that for, for many years. I, one of the closest brothers I've ever had in my life who, who we actually took into our home 
goodness, I don't know, 12 years ago. Um, one of the closest brothers I've ever known in the Lord um, lived on the street when we met him, and we took him into our house, and, and he worked with me for a while, and this and that and the other. But in that season, the Lord really did something in my heart by, by uniting me with this brother. Um, it was a very, very memorable time of my life where I had a perspective um, through his eyes um, by just listening to the story of his life that really, I would like to say, changed me. It did something in me. It, it changed something in my heart. Now, so here I am now, years later, and this opportunity comes up, and so, you know, well, man, we've been trying to get down there for weeks. It finally worked out today. And so my son and I went. And it was just such a blessing to be the mouthpiece of God to people who are hurting. Now, here's the thing. Here's the message that is, that's got to be heard um, through, through whatever means necessary to get through to the cold-hearted church there are so many similarities that I see within the people on the street and the church. Broken, hurting, frustrated, um, disappointed, let down, abandoned, um, often judgmental, scarred, wounded, very hard-hearted. And you know what? I'm going to get things done by myself. I'm telling you now. Now listen to what I'm saying. There, there are there are innumerable similarities. And what is it really? What is it? It's just mere humanity. It's humanity's. You know what? I'm going to will myself to change my own circumstances. And listen, friend, these people on the street, they are no better at doing it than than the church people. And should that be you, listen, you're no better at doing that, neither am I, than the people who seem down and out on the street. Listen, we may seem accomplished, successful, and listen, we may even put a tag on our car that says blessed. But if it's in our own efforts, it's a, if it's in our own abilities, it's empty, it's hollow, it's lacking, and, it's, and there's something deep down within there that is greatly flawed because we provided it in our own strength, in our own abilities. There is, I have found over the years, and again, just in the little bit of being out and, and talking with people who literally live on the streets, and again, through this time with this brother years ago, they have such a wise perspective on many things because their value, their value system is quite different than the successful, comfortable Christian American. They see things really a lot more clear than most of us do who are comfy and cozy in our own luxurious, luxurious life that we really do have. They have clear perspective on some things. And so when we went this morning... Um, it was just one of these circumstances, there's, there's three men specifically like seared upon my mind from today and then narrow it down to then there's two, a little bit more, and then one absolutely specifically like I felt like 
I felt like God himself was wanting to apprehend this gentleman through us. Like he wanted to reveal himself. Now, of course, this is nothing unique. We know that Yahweh God, creator of all humanity, formed and fashioned everyone before time began for what purpose? To, to know the Creator, to know Him and to be known by Him, to walk intimately with Him in the way that He originally planned in the garden reality. He wants men to know Him, to know He's the perfect Father and, and the government of God reality and all the parameters that He's given upon mankind is for our good. It's for our good. It, it is to preserve us, to keep us, to to sustain us, provide for us. But what I want to talk about, because I could go down, I'm seeing four different paths I can go down right now, but I want to stick with why I turned this on in the first place. And it's about, it's about what I started to go to in another segment of my own personal life, but let's stay focused on, on my experience today with these other people on this bus and seeing a perspective that I'm telling you, you will not get in the church. You won't get it. You won't get it at Walmart. You won't get it with your bros watching an NFL game. There are some things that we must step out of our own lives, give ourselves to, that brings things to the surface in front of us that we choose by willingly giving ourselves to, I will look at this. I will look at this. I think there's great value in that. Okay, so, um, but what I want to talk about is something that really stuck out to me with one man who shared some things. He was very stern. He was just very hard. Um, very matter of fact. Now, he was, he, was, he was kind enough to listen to what we were saying. He was engaged. He was like, hey, I, you're not going to offend me. You're not going to, like, hurt my feelings. Um, but we're just gonna we're just gonna disagree as far as like the existence of a creator, Father God, who who has laws and has things in place for our good that are dependent upon us responding in humility and willingness to surrender our will and exchange it for His. So we talked about the Ezekiel heart exchange and and the necessity of until we get to that place of willingness to surrender that heart of stone that is incapable of feeling God. We have to surrender it to the Son, the mediator Messiah, our great high priest, and he takes that, he removes that, he supernaturally inserts a heart of flesh, the cardia reality, the innermost place, the hidden place within a man, and he puts in a heart that can feel him, respond to him, know him as he is, and thereby begin to walk out a life moved by the Spirit of God, previously entirely incapable of doing so. So we talked about that. He didn't, he didn't fight or, or, or like give this great rebuttal. He's just saying, that's just not where I am. I'm God, you're God, we're all doing the best we can, right? Okay, so, but here's one thing that he said that stuck out to me in this season of my life. As I am desiring so much to see the body of Christ come together in a unified unity of the Spirit that becomes a bond that's literally unbreakable because of disagreements, um, circumstances that come up that, that can, in most cases, cause division, 
that I am so desiring to be around people who don't let doctrines and decisions and disagreements become division. Like the whole, well, I can't go there. And, well, I can't listen to that. I can't receive that. I can't trust this. And so we just check out and we move on. Well, I think there's just something to the reality. As I shared in the series, um, I think it became a three-part series. I get lost in the specifics of these um, podcasts about the, the the mystery of the harmonious union. And how we have been called to endure alongside one another despite our disagreements, despite the things that come up in our lives that absolutely will come up when you, brother, need corrected. You need corrected. You need admonished. I need pulled aside and say, you know what, Joel? That's not right. Or at least, brother, would you consider that that's not right? Is it possible? Or are you sure that that's what the Lord's saying? And like, man, mankind hates correction. He hates it. We're dealing with that with our eight-year-old son trying to instill in him, son, correction is for your good. Receive correction. It's the pattern of the father. It's the, it's the condition of a humble, contrite son. But one thing that this guy said today that stuck out to me, was he said, you know what, I feel like I'm happier here on the street. He and his wife, would not official, <laughs> um, they had been on the street in, in this area for a year, if I remember rightly. And he said, you know what, I feel like I'm almost more, more satisfied here. I'm happier here than I was out in normal life before. And you know why? Because here, I have family. I have family here. I have people who, got, who, who have got my back here. I didn't have that before. I have a family. And oh man, right here in this season of my life of like how I've been sharing openly in all of these broadcasts that I am just like, I am, I am, I, I cannot be satisfied with like this hunger within me to come alongside a familial unity of the spirit in the body of Christ. And this guy said that about, man, I have family here. And I was so stirred in my heart, so convicted, so angry. Let's just be honest. Angry that the church is not being a family and therefore not demonstrating a familial relationship opportunity to people who do not know God. We don't possess it or walk in it or do it so the world has no chance to see it and want to enter in and join with us because we ourselves are not doing it. There's no demonstration of a brotherhood reality on the earth for the world to look at and be jealous for and say, you know what, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. And so... Just in, in, a, in just a topical way, I'm telling you, this could be something for me that could probably be four parts. I'm telling you, these things right now are just so at the surface of what I feel like the Spirit is saying to the church, saying correction needs to come to the church. Correction's got to come to the body of Christ right now. And if you're a leader and if you consider yourself a, a shepherd of, of, of people, I'm telling you, brother, it's time to draw the line. 
in love of what? Of the glory of God being preserved and rightly demonstrated in a people on the earth again. It's time for the Hezekiah call to come out of the mouths of men who know their place, know their function, and in humility have spent the time on their faces before Yahweh God to hear the oracles of the Lord and to go out and to call forth the bride who's sleeping and snoring and driving away the world who is desperate to know God through his people. So I went to John 13. Yeshua's ministry is, close, is closing. It's wrapping up like everything. The culmination of his short life is, is just right on the horizon. What's he doing, y'all? He's washing the disciples' feet. The Son of God, who left the highest heaven, is on the floor washing the dirty feet of the men who could not have faith to hardly do anything. He informs them of a betrayer among them. Well, when does he do that? After he washes their feet. After he washes the feet of the betrayer. In John 13, 34, he says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I've loved you, you are also to love one another. Okay, so why is this a new commandment? As I'm reading this, I'm just thinking this through because Yeshua had not yet been. It's a new commandment because, because Emmanuel had come and showed them something that was not until that point demonstrated in flesh and blood. This is a new commandment, brothers, because as I have loved you, now you love one another. In other words, you have seen me love you. You've seen me love you, Peter. Betrayer. You guys who are so small in faith, I am on the floor washing your feet. Why? So that right now I can give you a commandment and say, you know what? You have no excuse to love and receive anyone else who comes into your life and into your path. Because look at what I'm doing. This is God encased in flesh, wrapped up in skin, on the dirt, washing natural feet. This new command... You know what? You have no excuse but to love one another the way I have loved you. And it goes on in verse 35, by this, by what? By this love, by this love that is so extravagant, it is literally ridiculous and almost seems impossible. And aside from faith, it absolutely is impossible to believe that God would become flesh and do such a thing for mere man. But he did. Simon Peter goes on in verse 36, well, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answers him, where I'm going, you can't follow me now, but you will afterward. So Peter says to him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Oh, what a conversation that would have been. But here's what stood out to me. Peter blew right past the command to love and went straight to himself. 
He went right past the whole point of what Jesus was saying. Yeshua was saying, look, I am removing every excuse you have to not put everybody else above yourself in your life. And Peter blew right past it. Well, whoa, whoa, wait. Well, that's well and good, Rabbi, but where are you going? Because you know I'm coming with you. No, no, no. You don't understand, Peter. You don't understand. You don't get it. You're not going where I'm going. They didn't understand. Yeshua had to go and accomplish something so immeasurably great. There was no way any other man was even had any rightful way to go and be a part of that. There was one worthy. And so this leads me just to my, to my point of like, I'm, I'm just going to stick this right out here and I'm, I'm going to, you're cruising down the highway and I'm, and I'm riding on a 400 foot billboard on the side of the road where you're cruising in your life. And I'm just, and this is what it's going to say, are you loving others the way Yeshua has loved you? Well, you don't know what that brother did to me. You don't know what this person said to me. You don't know how hurt I am. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know how strong my doctrine is. You don't know my past history of being hurt in the church. You don't know. You don't. You know what? Yeshua Messiah said to all these things, look, I don't care, friend. I don't care. Do you see what I'm doing? Because these, these men did believe now. They did believe he was the Messiah. They at least held to that being true. And so in that case, you are Messiah. You are the God-man. And so he blew everything that was in their reasoning completely out of the water. And guess what? That is also true for you and for me, and every other man. So here's my question. What does your love look like? What does our love look like? Because, friends, it does not matter what is in your heart if it never makes it out into your life. Look, my wife and I are getting ready to be married 20 years. And if I just constantly told her, look, honey, I just love you. Well, you never do this, you never do that, you never do this, you never show me like this. You ne- it has to look like something. Let's just talk elementary, right? Love has to look like something identifiable through an action. You demonstrate what is already present in your heart. And we had a brief conversation, me and a sister who is there serving on the bus, about the irony of these churches on every corner down there, meeting, we're passing people, me and my son as we drive there, people getting out of their Lexus with their three-piece suits and their, their super organic, non-GMO, leather-bound Bibles. Looking sharp now. Two blocks away from people absolutely excruciatingly miserable. Where is our love, church?
Where is our love? <sighs> we have got to become convicted. So let me get right to this, and I'm going to have to bring this to a close. This one guy, again, what, and I haven't even said what stuck out to me so much other than the family part, but here's this other guy, right? Okay, so this one guy said, I've found family here. And then there's this other guy. He's just the opposite of the first guy. Tender, broken, yes. I mean, all these things the same, but like his heart's condition was like, I'm a screw up. I'm, a, I'm miserable. I know it. I know it. I'm a failure. I'm no good. He told me stories that I don't even want to get in here, get into on here because it's so personal. It's just, it makes my heart grieve that this guy has been told the things he's been told his whole life by the ones who should have given him love as a, as a blood family, just riddled with shame. But here's the thing, friends, and this is the whole culmination of why I turned this on right now. I met, I don't know, a dozen people today that really at the heart of their need, of their longing, of their, of their desire to be satisfied, I would say, is they just want to be accepted and they want to belong. And friends, here's the problem. We are supposed to be known by our love. We are supposed to be known by our love. We are trying to love everyone else when we don't even yet love one another. We're pretending to be in camaraderie, but we are not, in fact, loving ourselves, loving others ourselves as ourselves. More so than I want my own desires. More so than I want my own satisfaction. My own comforts. We ourselves, well, got to take care of our own. That, my friends, is the American way too. Look, you, you got to take care of yourself now, friend. You got to look out for number one because nobody else is going to take care of you. Do something for yourself. Look, we've got to be careful that we ourselves who call ourselves according to the name of Christ as ones who serve Yahweh God according to his government and principles and laws aren't being sucked into the patterns of the world that say, hey, you better take care of yourself. Nobody's going to take care of you, friend. You better take care of yourself. Because listen, that's the same trap that these men that I met today are living under, which is the bondage of the domain of darkness, which is you do whatever it takes to take care of yourself because nobody else cares about you. But here's the thing, friend. We have an eternal creator God that sent himself as a mere baby in the womb of a, of a natural woman to lay himself low, a suffering servant, a life, an entire life of denial that culminated sitting there with these men reclining at this end of his life journey, washing their feet and saying, listen, people will know you follow me and walk in my ways if you have love for one another just like I have had for you. Friends, here's the thing.
We are not loving that way. We are not loving one another that way. The church is embarrassingly self-centered. It's embarrassing to talk to people on the street. I've said this for years. I don't even tell people I'm Christian because they cringe and say, oh, no. Oh, man. <laughs> it's almost like they, if they were honest, they'd say, oh, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> and rightfully so. That doesn't offend me. That gives me an unction to move out as the remnant people who don't just blend in with mainstream Christianity's patterns and ways that say, hey, it's all about you. It's all about you. Be the best. Be an overcomer. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Start that new business. Buy that pretty house. No, friends. That's the way of the world. It's the Babylonian Empire thinking that has infiltrated this generation as much as all the others that have preceded us. We've got to come out. We've got to come out and we've got to put cold water on our face and shake our head and get our vision aligned right. And what do we need to do? We need to start looking with the eyes of the Spirit to say, Oh God, forgive me. It's time I look outside of myself. It's time I look around and say, all right, God, it's time for me to love the way I have been loved and give myself the way you gave yourself for me and take my eyes off of myself. I'm telling you, we have got to realize this theme that I'm always saying on here, that God cannot move in humanity until humanity positions themselves consecrated and holy, of course regenerated, fueled by His Spirit to serve His purposes to other men. The whole pattern of the entire timeline of God is Him revealing Himself to men through men. Period. Move me out of the way Christianity has got to die. Yeshua, Messiah, fulfilled every single thing to enable you, to enable me, and to enable any other man who would walk as he walked to fulfill and accomplish the works of God on the earth on his behalf, for his glory, to reveal his awesome glory to all these men who, who will find nothing else that works, nothing else that sets them free, nothing else that satisfies apart from him. But listen, until that's true for you, you are not carrying the message of freedom to anyone else because you yourself do not yet possess it. Until we face the fact that we ourselves have got to be emptied and filled to full with the Spirit of God, we have nothing to offer that's going to be the supernatural unction of the Spirit of God in us to change any other. We've got to do personal business. We've got to empty ourselves out. We've got to be filled with the Spirit, and we've got to go. We've got to go. Time is running out. The Messiah is coming. And even if time doesn't end and the Messiah doesn't come tonight, you know what? I'm one day closer to the end of my days. And so are you 
And so are, is, so, so are all these people I met today, friend. All the people you walked by at Walmart. All the people you sat with in your pretty comfy pews at church this morning. Friends, our time is short. We are mere vapors and blades of grass, and it's time for us to look at the Messiah and do as he did. So friends, stop everything in your life. Unplug. Deny yourself. Seek things of eternal nature to be the hands and the feet and the mouthpiece to proclaim the king is coming. The king is coming and you've got to know. It's time, friends. It's time. It's time for us to be known as the disciples of the Messiah, that we love one another just as he has loved us. Amen.